Welcome again to another session of Explore the Bible series. We're in the book of Colossians, the second lesson, scheduled for October 24, 2021. The title of the lesson is The Gospel's Goal. Spiritual transformation is the goal of the gospel as Paul saw it. So the key passage is Colossians 1, verse 24, to chapter 2, verse 3, and the memory verse is verse 28. He is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom, so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. So looking at this lesson, we're going to contemplate Paul's use of words that indicate how much effort he put into the spiritual maturity of other believers. I hope we can gain some clear understanding of the end goal that all believers should adopt for themselves as well as others, which is what Paul says in verse 27, Christ in you, the hope of glory. I hope to help you seek spiritual maturity and to become disciples who empower and encourage others towards spiritual growth. So ask yourself the question, What is your life goal? Do you have a life goal? Do you have some goals? Maybe it's more than one life goal for your life. Well, as a youngster, Luis Centerno uh, had goals. Um, He wanted to build his own business. However, in his initial business dealings uh, were in the form of selling drugs as a youngster, on the streets of the town where he lived, Centerno uh, was his illegal activities led to a prison sentence of 10 years. While in prison, the gym served as a safe place for him, and he learned how to deal with his anxiety and stress and depression through working out in the gym. So after he was released from prison, Centerno found it kind of hard to find a permanent job, but with determination and hard work, he opened his own gym, and he now finds himself helping others reach their fitness goals, as well as organizing through his gym fundraisers and toy drives for children whose parents are incarcerated, and uh, who also other ways to support prison ministries. So as we look at the background of this lesson in the opening paragraphs of the letter to Colossians, Paul sought to build rapport with a local church he had not personally established. So he did this by assuming the members uh, of his regular remembrance, by assuring the members of his regular remembrance of them in his prayers, as well as ensuring them that Epaphras, one of their number, was a valued co-laborer in the gospel. He reminded them that the power of the gospel was to free people from sin and to open the way for them to be reconciled to God. He challenged the Colossians to remain faithful to the hope of the gospel and to recall the centrality of Christ in whom they shared together in redemption and the forgiveness of sin. The concluding verses of Colossians 1 and the opening of chapter 2 set forth 
spiritual transformation as the goal of the gospel. Paul declared his own calling and commitment to the ministry of the gospel, even to the point of suffering for its advancement, something he rejoiced to do as a servant of Christ. He specified his calling as offering the gospel to the people, including the Gentiles. And at the heart of the gospel is the good news of Christ indwelling believers as their hope of glory. Paul understood his calling to be that of proclaiming the gospel and teaching with all wisdom. His goal was helping believers grow towards spiritual maturity in Christ. To this end, he was committed to laboring with all the spiritual energy as powered by God made available to him. Although the Colossians were members of a church he did not personally have a hand in founding, he assured them of his concern for all believers, uh, including those like them who had never even seen him face to face. His concern was that all believers would be encouraged and united in love. His desire was further that they would possess assurance concerning their own knowledge of the relationship of their relationship with Christ. This is a premier importance in that all the truths and wisdoms of the gospel center in Christ and are the possession of those who faithfully follow him. So let's turn to today's text. We're in Colossians chapter 1. We're going to begin with verse 27. In this segment, we're going to find insights and goals uh, that are relative to suffering and service. So Paul writes, Now I rejoice in what I am suffering for you, and I fill up my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's affections for the sake of his body, which is in the church. I have become its servant by the commission God gave me to present to you the word of God in its fullness, the mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, but is now disclosed to the Lord's people. To them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles, the glorious riches of his, this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. So let me draw attention to the paradox uh, contained in Paul's declaration that he rejoiced in his sufferings. Let me emphasize uh, the positive impact Paul's imprisonment had on the church. I want to point to his ability to focus on the bigger picture as an important way to counter personal difficulties. He was always looking at a much bigger picture than what was going on personally in his life. So as I look at different study Bibles and commentaries, the ESV study Bible, uh, looking at verse 24, says uh, two statements. I am filling up and 
what is lacking uh, in Christ's afflictions. Uh, these statements don't apply that don't imply that there is deficiency in Christ's atoning death and and suffering on the cross, which would contradict the central message of this letter and all the rest of Scripture as well. We see in, in Hebrews 9, chapter 12, he says, he, in, he entered the most holy place, uh, one for all by his own blood, thus obtaining eternal redemption. So Christ's sufferings are, in fact, sufficient. Nothing of his own can be added uh, to secure salvation. What is lacking in Christ's afflictions was the future sufferings of all who, like Paul, will experience great affliction for the sake of the gospel, as Paul describes in Second Corinthians chapter 1, verses 8 through 10. He says, we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about the troubles we experience in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despised of life itself. Indeed, we felt we had received the sentence of death. But this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God, who raises the dead. He, it, he has delivered us from such a deadly peril and will deliver us again. On him we have set our hope that he will continue to deliver us. And then we see in Philippians chapter 2, verse 30, uh, a book we've just recently studied. He says, because Epaphroditus has almost died for the work of Christ, he risked his life to, to make up, uh, to make for the help of yourselves that you could not give me. Uh, what Paul tells uh, the Philippians is that Epaphroditus risked his life to complete what was lacking in your service to Paul. So looking at verse 25, we see the phrase, according to the stewardship from God, Paul views himself as divinely commissioned uh, or stewarded or administrator, uh, a word used wisely in the, the uh, in the Roman world for administration. It was used widely for, for the concept of administrator of a large household or state. So Paul says, according to the stewardship or administration of God, Paul's responsibility was to make the word of God fully known. So that, that phrase, filling up, uh, of Christ's affliction takes place as the proclamation of the world is made fully known. Paul suffers as he proclaims the gospel. He declares that the basis of forgiveness of sins is Christ's suffering, uh, Christ's once-for-all suffering and sacrifice. Again, in his 
passage, we see the, the concept of the mystery. It doesn't refer to something that is mysterious or a secret ritual. Rather, Paul's speaking of God's unfolding plan for the world and, above all, his plan for redemption uh, through the Messiah. So it was not something that was to be kept secret, but to proclaim. Although although elements of God's design were already known through the God, through the prophets, uh, key aspects of it were hidden for ages and generations. Uh, they were a mystery, uh, which could only be known and understood when they were revealed by God himself. And so this language occurs often in the book of Daniel. After God reveals to Daniel that Nebuchadnezzar's dream uh, foretold four successive kingdoms culminating in the kingdom of God, Daniel tells the king, there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. And that's the concept that Paul is considering here. So at the heart of the mystery that God is now revealing through Paul is the amazing hallmark of the new covenant, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. God himself and the person of Christ will be directly and personally present in the lives of his people, and his presence assures them of a future life with him which when he returns. Moreover, Christ does not reside only in believing Jews, but also in believing Gentiles, so that there is one unified people of God. So let me emphasize, Christ understands our sufferings and that there is greater affinity when we understand Christ's sufferings. So I want to help you uh, look at the big picture. Paul doesn't, didn't just endure suffering, but he found joy in the suffering. He referred to it as a service to the church that was directly commissioned by Christ himself. In the next section of Scripture, verses 28 and 29, we're going to see that Paul describes functions that he employed uh, as he shared the gospel with the Colossians, and he states some goals that he has for his life. So verse 28 reads, He is the one we proclaim admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom, so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. To this end, I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. So looking at the New Bible Commentary, uh, in verse 28, it says, In their missionary uh, preaching, Paul and his colleagues worked energetically to proclaim uh, one thing, Christ as Lord. It was an important statement that they made often. And so this uh, 
evangelistic outreach was not carried out by some superficial preaching uh, of the saving message of Christ to the world. Instead, by regularly admonishing and teaching each other these verbs, admonishing and teaching, along with proclaim, uh, are all notice in the present tense. They, they were doing this as they went along. So the apostolic band set out to make disciples of men and women. They were building them up in pastoral uh, situations. Three times Paul writes the word everyone uh, or each one. Sometimes it's translated emphasizing that Christian teaching is for all, not some spiritual elite group. It's for all people. And so teaching should be available to all and that the apostolic work had to do with the individual care of souls. And the third thing we see here is their responsibilities were not finished with the conversion of men and women. So they made it their aim to present everyone perfect in Christ, some who are growing in Christ and their concerns were for well-established and settled congregations whose members were strong in the faith. So their goal was not just to get a, a number of people who committed to, to Christ through salvation, but to see them grow strong in their faith. And Paul's um, evangelistic and pastoral goals provide models for those engaged in the true apostolic ministry today. The phrase to the end in verse 9, uh, Paul expends all his energies in his ministry for the gospel. You see that word labor, it denotes intense effort. While struggling, probably a stronger word was sometimes used of fights and athletic uh, contestants. Paul gladly acknowledges that the strength for his effort comes from above. God, who had shown his mighty power by raising Christ from the dead, is powerfully at work in him, in Paul, as he toils energetically. So he's, he gives credit to God for the, the work that he's doing and the power that he has comes from God himself. So Paul's goal was to mentor the Colossians to spiritual maturity. And notice that Paul's efforts weren't completed in isolation, but with full relation, uh, reliance on Christ. And he refers to what he, he wrote to the Philippian church, Christ in me, the hope. Uh, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, Philippians 4. 13. And then in the last section of Scripture, we, we move into chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. Uh, here we see uh, that we can listen for objects of Paul's struggle and affections and his end goals in life. So verse 1, I want you to know how hard I am contending for you 
and for those at Laodicea, and for all who have not met me personally. My goal is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love so that they may have the fullness of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So I want to elaborate on the significance of reaching, of realizing that the Colossians and the Laodiceans were people Paul had not met in person. Uh, yet he, he formed life goals around them. Uh, so I want to use some information that's found in your personal study guide on page 79. You can go and review this. Uh, it's got a little paragraph entitled, Did You Know? Did you know that the city of Laodicea was located about 10 miles from Colossae? And Paul wrote a letter to the Laodiceans. We, we don't have it in our scripture that we consider as a canon of scripture, the list of scriptures. Uh, it, but he wrote to them around the same time. And uh, hi historical documents will reveal that letter. And so I want you to know that the two congregations swap letters. In fact, he, he asked if they swap letters with each other so they could know what he said uh, to the other church. Laodicea later developed an infamous reputation because of Jesus' criticism of that town in the book of Revelation. We see that in Revelation three fourteen to 22. Looking at the New Bible commentary again, that phrase in verse 1, I want you to know. Uh, so having spoken in general terms of his apostolic service, Paul addresses the Colossians directly. So he says, I want you to know his aim uh, to strengthen his strengthen bonds with them and affirms them uh, that his struggle for the gospel had special uh, reference to them and to other Christians in the area, even though he had not met them personally uh, in previous trips. And so the, the church at Colossae, Laodicea, and Hierapolis had been founded by a colleague, Epaphras, and Paul gives credit to, to Epaphras for being the founding pastor of those churches. And so the purpose of his apostolic activity was that their lives might be strengthened. Paul was always looking to make uh, the members of each congregation strong in their faith. And so we see that phrase, united in love, it suggests that as love binds them all together, so they will attain to the full understanding and knowledge that God has for them. <clears throat> it's, it's a verb that means that they would be instructed uh, by the teaching of Scripture. And since the, the context emphasizes knowledge and wisdom, 
And Paul was less concerned about the need for uh, Colossians' unity than their instruction in faith over against false teaching. So love, in all its breadth, that word uh, then refers to the foundation of the Christian life. Love is what holds it all together. So the full riches of complete understanding that phrase it's the same word for same word for riches as as also mentioned in verse 27 spiritual wealth but here the wealth consists of informed conviction which results from insight in other words the ability to distinguish the truth from the true from the false information. Thus, uh, they will come to a deeper personal knowledge of Christ. Probably, uh, with a side glance at the false teaching, Paul encourages the readers to look to Christ. Don't look to these false teachers. Look to Christ as the only place where these treasures of wisdom are available. Look to the teaching of Christ. And so that word hidden does not mean concealed, but instead it is hidden. It is deposited. It is stored up. We see that in verse 26. Uh, To search for other sources of knowledge apart from Christ, Paul says, is useless. Don't do that. So in the context of this passage, it characterizes the encouragement that we see in verse 2 as uh, as the strengthened to stand up for what's right, something particularly important to the Colossians who were at risk to the diverse diversity or the division of false teaching. So let's identify some prizes listed in Colossians 1, uh, Colossians 2, verses 1 through 3 that await every believer. One is, may you be encouraged in heart. Number two, may you be united in love. And number three, may you have the full, full riches of complete understanding. May you know the riches of God, namely Christ Jesus. There's some great application to this lesson. God works through the lives of his followers to make known the gospel to all believers. The second application is believers deliver God's message in his strength so that others can grow spiritually. And finally, believers demonstrate maturity by encouraging faithfulness in others. Our church is constantly emphasizing the importance of being a disciple of Christ. And so you you hear Doyle Lowry and our pastor Dwayne Brooks emphasizing D groups, discipleship groups. Uh, These Groups are not only for the goal of being discipled, but being discipled to become disciple makers so that as they complete 
the process of becoming a disciple, they learn how to disciple new groups. So the, let me propose that spiritual maturity is a worthy goal. It requires, if you will, for every one of us, dedication. And it requ- requires concerted effort uh, at growing in relationship with Christ. And so um, find a way to become a, maybe one of these, uh, a member of one of these D groups so that you can grow in your relationship with Christ. And maybe if you've already been to a point where you feel like you have been discipled by others, I know Pastor Eddie Doyle and many others have done that, uh, Paul. Uh, and so if if you have experienced that process of being discipled, then consider men or women that you personally would disciple. So as we think about closing this lesson, ask God to help uh, you trust his guidance in delivering the gospel to other people. We, uh, our church sang, choir sang this song, beautiful anthem years ago, entitled Christ in You. Uh, Luke Garrett sings a solo. In fact, he sang at Tallywood. Christ in You, the eternal hope of glory, dwelling in vessels made of clay, to share with him the riches of his mystery. Christ in You, eternal hope of glory. Father, we rejoice that we can claim the promise of Christ in us, which is our hope, the hope of glory. Lord, we thank you for the relationship you allow us to have with you through your son, Jesus Christ. We thank you for the challenge of this lesson uh, to encourage others into that relationship. Give us a burden to share Christ with others and to disciple them. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.